Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're all traveling, but we didn't want to miss another week in your car speakers. So we thought we'd bring you some clips of our favorite segments from early in Just Press Play that you might have forgotten about. First, Pop's got a Klosterman question about a wizard here in Chicago. This segment is from the episode Shout Out to Joe Cocker. So here's my question for today. You meet a wizard in downtown Chicago. The wizard tells you he can make you more attractive if you pay him money. When you ask how this process works, the wizard points to a random person on the street. You look at this random stranger. The wizard says, I will now make him $1 more attractive. He waves his magic wand. Ostensibly, this person does not change at all. As far as you can tell, nothing is different. But somehow, this person is suddenly a little more appealing. The tangible difference is invisible to the naked eye, but you can't deny that this person is vaguely sexier. This wizard has a weird rule, though. You can only pay him once. You can't keep giving him money until you're satisfied. You can only pay him one lump sum up front. How much cash do you give the wizard? Mm. So, so you're 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 kind of playing with fire here. Like you, you can go a lot and make yourself super attractive, but if you feel pretty good about yourself, you could just go. Oh, I'll pay him, pay him well, a little guess, less. So you, he's a cash only. You can't <laughs> run to an ATM. I, well, I get the idea. You can pay him any amount of money you can afford. Okay, okay so that I, doesn't, I guess that doesn't give me any more money than zero. So. <laughs> well, but I mean, I think being reasonable, I don't yeah, know, yeah, some, sure. you know, don't get well, so crazy. I'm trying to think, I think I've got $50 on me right now. And so <laughs> what percentage of that $50 would I be willing to give up to be vaguely more attractive? I mean, a dollar, one dollar made this guy vaguely sexier. So, you know, 50 times that, 25 times that, I mean. Yeah, but also like, it's nice having some money on me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but if, you're va- if you're quite a bit sexier, you're probably going to make more money. I don't know, but like fifty dollars sexier LJ in in <laughs> text theater, I think you like, need to go to the bank, LJ, personally, I, but I think we might be like still trying to find our way up to average from that point. I don't know that <laughs> I don't know You know, I don't wanna get us I don't wanna get us down a huge rabbit hole here, but interesting. So it doesn't actually make you any better like the naked eye you look the same. Well, you're more no, attractive to he, he only made this person one dollar more attractive. So to the naked eye, right. you couldn't see anything. I think if you give him 50 or 100, you give him 300 dollars. And like all of a sudden, like you do look different. You look more attractive. So like what does Channing Tatum? How much money are we talking here? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's the thing is you can't know, right? Is that like a thousand? <laughs> you can't know. You're just trying to guess and you're saying, OK, so um, one dollar times what? Like one over vaguely attractive equals what over Channing Tatum, right? That's kind of the game. I'd like to go to the wizard and say, I'd like to go to the wizard and go, I will take a Justin Timberlake 
And can we check out now? I think. Well, but you don't know how much that costs. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's so, what they'll so really, saying. That's if you look at it mathematically, tough. then you have to take Justin Timberlake divided by vaguely attractive. And then that's how much money you have to give him. So however you can enumerate those two things, that's how you that's how you cross multiply and divide that ratio. I don't think Justin Timberlake is the most attractive man. Well, no, that's what Kevin just threw out there, right? Okay, I'm sorry, I missed it. You wouldn't you wouldn't take you wouldn't be happy to to look like Justin Timberlake, though. He's only a touch more attractive than me, so that's what I'm saying. That's just, I mean, that's like a buck fifty for me. A buck fifty. Damn. Like I want the Justin Timberlake special. You got change for a two dollar bill. Well, you've been sipping on that confidence juice tonight. All right. Um, I mean, I think okay. So if I got if I got fifty on me, I think I would drop forty just to just to see. It's I can make forty dollars back. That's not that big of a deal. I can still go get lunch later. I think that's what I'm doing. I don't think I'm going to the ATM though. Like I don't think it's worth a trip to the bank to try to you know pull out. Like if I could pull out like three hundred dollars, I'd still. Whatever's on me is how I deal with it. Hey, Kev, we ought to ask Hannah. Hannah yeah. might have a how much answer. would you spend if you could make LJ more attractive? <laughs> yeah. she wrote, how much yeah. we got in the bank, LJ? What was my last paycheck? <laughs> how much How much we got left on the credit card? <laughs> yeah, we should ask our significant others on this. But. <laughs> well, and considering that I don't have a significant other right now, <laughs> you I'm might need to pay a up a little bit extra. Yeah, I'm... I was going to throw out, I think I am going to the ATM. I'm not like pulling out. I'm not like going, we need to transfer funds from the savings over to the checkings here. But I think, I think I'm dropping at least a hundred. I might, I might reach around three to 500. Okay. All right. I'm 500 large. I'm giving him $500 for sure. 500 was my max. See, 500 was my max. It's because I think me and me and dad live on a little bit different of a budget. (laughs) But I think 500 was my max. I was thinking 300 is probably where I'm okay. sitting. Well, if I could be 500 times better than vaguely sexier, I mean, probably I'd have to beat them off with a stick. So that'd <laughs> be okay. Be any, any more than yeah. that, it would be really, it'd be a hassle. It would be, right? it. It'd be yeah. just too much. It'd be so that's that's what I'm saying. $50 for me. I mean, would be too much. Like, let's stick with the 40. <laughs> <laughs> it's already a hassle for LJ as it is. So. Yeah. Okay, so LJ, let's summarize. LJ's giving forty bucks. Kevin's three hundred. I'm giving. Oh, I thought you were dropping a G on him. <laughs> no, I would drop a G. I would drop a G, maybe, but I'll stick. I'm with also saying that the forty dollars only is because I have fifty on me. Usually, I have zero on me. I'm not going to the bank. I'm just letting it be. <laughs> <laughs> See, LJ, LJ is going to go like check his cushions for a couple of quarters. And yeah. give it to and the if they're not there, they're not there. That's fine. <laughs> I'll give you $40 and 37 cents. <laughs> I got to hit McDonald's up after this, <laughs> which probably totally cancels out that $40. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. In our next segment, Kevin ponders the important things like how we figured out the best way to eat a banana. From Sister Jean and Pit Snoggle. I want to get on. These are just some random thoughts that go through go through the old dome at times. And uh, who who decided that some fruit should be peeled and some you just eat regularly? Who was like, you know what? If you take this peel off this banana, it's a lot easier to chew. It tastes better. 
Like, who decided that one day? You know what? I bet the second guy to buy into one, <laughs> probably. Someone bit into a banana and said, oh, this ain't bad. Try this. And then another guy's like, <laughs> or, or I maybe bet it was like the second the guy. Two guys are sitting there eating. One's eating the apple and they're loving it. And the other guy's eating orange. And it's like, this is just not that good. And then Kevin's over there taking a bite out of a watermelon, saying, whatever. (laughs) Trying to, breaking my teeth on this watermelon. (laughs) I just want to know, was that an Adam Eve thing? Did Eve go like, after after one of them bit into the apple, they realized, whoa, that orange tastes way better if we peel the the peel off of it. I bet she was a pretty early discovery, but yeah. But like the coconut, right? The coconut they had to hit on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not biting a coconut. I've never, never tried to eat a raw coconut. <laughs> well, I'm saying don't. Dark surprising. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, you, I mean, nuts too. You know, you have to crack open a pecan or whatever. Like, I, it's pretty human nature. Have you seen people with peanuts that'll just eat the whole shell and everything? No. Just like, oh yeah, I've seen yeah. people do y'all that. Y'all never tried that? No. Oh, it's terrible. Swear. Hand up. Yeah. Not I, sober. I've tried that. No. You've, you've done it sober, Kevin? Well, okay, so okay, so that's a no. That's a no. Well, it happened on accident. By the way, another thing you can do this with the sunflower seeds, but when when I get there now, but I bit into a a hey, peanut to kind of open it up, you know, and I accidentally crushed it a little too much, and then I just kind of started chewing. Really, don't taste bad. Eh, I mean, am I uh, crazy? No, I don't. Yeah. If it doesn't taste bad, you're not crazy. That's I think that's the truth in it. Yeah. If it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid, right? Well, it works. <laughs> but and that's the narration of my life. If if you like, I just I so next time we get hanging around, I'm going to get a bunch of shelled okay. peanuts and we're going to both snack and I'm going to peel mine and Where are you going to try one? And are you going to try? I'll try one. No, I've done it before. I told you I, when I'm sober, I don't ever do it. I've, <laughs> I did try it one time and it was just terrible. Well, maybe well, it was because you weren't in a state where you could totally appreciate it. You know, maybe, okay, maybe I'll you, try maybe you got the wrong, you got the wrong nut. I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll try it one more time. Okay. All I'll right. Do it. All right. I'll commit to that. Another thought. Okay. Yeah, another thought. That's all for this week on let's make dad try some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> another thought. So actually I'm, I might be with dad coming up this week. So I'll make sure that he tries a peanut. I might even get a film, get some film of him trying a peanut mm. the right way. Next up, we get into the holiday spirit to talk about the national anthems of the past in our episode, full blown undercover guy. Take it away, Fergie. Oh. Can you see by the dawn's early light? Uh, I mean, do you want to just play the whole thing? Do you guys want to hear it? or that? No, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> there was other parts to it that really just... Buddy's howling over they were, there. Uh, <laughs> um, I know nobody's talking... Um, about the national anthem. So, uh, I figured, uh, <laughs> I have some thoughts on, on Fergie's, uh, terrific performance. Yeah. Uh, well, she, she just got okay. real Fergalicious with that and maybe a little too Fergalicious, you know? I mean, I respect somebody trying something different. It, it wasn't well, my, when, go before well, so, so one of the things that I think about it is she, she apologized for the arrangement. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but, uh, the, yeah. she she felt bad about the arrangement apparently 
Um, and all I could what think do you mean by the arrangement, the arrangement is like, instead of just singing it very standardly with the orchestra behind her or the, the brass band behind her or whatever, oh, and okay. singing the notes exactly how you expect to hear it. She, she changed it up to be a lot jazzier and a lot more, um, sultry or whatever. And so she apologized. She said that arrangement was disrespectful or whatever, but I, I truly don't think that that was the issue. I think it was just that she's not a, a talented vocalist at all. What? Um, I mean, I think if you if you take if you take like, say, uh, imagine Amy Winehouse, rest in peace, doing that exact national anthem, um, which would be weird because she's English, but it would be so cool. Like, I don't think people would be disappointed in hearing that version. I think it's just the fact that she just did a terrible job of uh, putting together a performance. And uh, as as a little bit of proof, I've got kind of a jazzy national anthem for you guys to kind of hear. doing this uh, so that's branford marsalis who's a jazz musician okay. and saxophone player yeah um and uh it's uh a similar arrangement really to what fergie did except for i think one of the things that makes it very uniquely different is that it feels like it's not trying to show off how talented he is it's every flourish he has is is purely emotional sounding and uh, and I think it proves that a, a jazzy version, a more sultry version of the national anthem is not disrespectful. I love what um, you said there about he's that version's not Fergie was trying to show her vocals, like really tried to give show how how much she can do. And the national anthems of, of all songs isn't I don't. Well, I guess it is partly at times you show what you can do, but. She just tried to put too much Fergie into it when it just was unneeded. I, I don't. I'm not hating on her for it. I just didn't like it. I just didn't enjoy it. That's all. I'm not mad at her. I'm not hating on her. I just didn't sure, enjoy I it. Sure. I think she's getting a lot more a lot more hate than is yeah, necessary. I didn't take it as um, disrespectful. I just it just wasn't good. Well, could it have been a publicity thing where we're talking about her? Go all out for it and. Well, either either two thing, one of two things happens. Either it's amazing, everyone loves it, or everyone's talking about you because they didn't like it. But either way, you're everywhere, and everyone. I mean, talking I think okay. So I think the thing is though is there is you know they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I think if you're a singer, if the publicity is all that you're a bad singer, and that's how you make your living, <laughs> it I think seems that like is bad publicity. That is actually bad publicity, and I'm going to play it real quick. Uh, she also sang the national anthem in 2011, and she didn't do anything stylistically interesting, but she's not very good. I think that she's just not a, a very good performer and a very good singer, but she's made it through this much of her career without anybody actually caring about that. So I think that uh, she she's a 
she's performing in a way that is instead of uh, being moved by the moment in the way that like say uh, Destiny's Child uh, doing the NBA All-Star Game in I think 2000 best of all time 10 or something like that the goat um, not or 10 something like that. instead of having this sort of emotional period she just seems to be trying to show off how how much range she has when she really doesn't seem to have that range and then another famous one for the emotional content of it would be uh, Whitney Houston's in uh, like the that's her. 92 Super Bowl beautiful. something like that. Yeah. Um, amazing well, rendition. Does someone not hear for like, like a friend's got to hear while she because she she's tried that multiple times before she gets out there in front of millions. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a, a surprisingly large percent chance that she had been handed that arrangement because someone was very proud of it because it is a pretty good arrangement, honestly. Um, and she was handed that arrangement. She listened to the melody three times on the way over and uh, thought, I've got this because she believes in her ability, which is something you want in a singer. Um, but I just don't think she she had the ability to carry it over, um, partially because the national anthem is an absurdly difficult song that wasn't really meant to be sung by normal people. Just. Yeah, just anybody. It's the most difficult national anthem of any country. Um, it was based off of a melody that was sung by a essentially a guild for music lovers that wanted to see virtuoso sing. And so most countries have songs that are kind of akin to like soccer chants that you hear in a stadium where it's really easy for everybody to do generally pretty well. Whereas our national anthem is is by far the most difficult one. Um, which is kind of a weird, it's kind of the American dream in a sense where it looks pretty easy when you watch somebody who's really talented to do it and we celebrate them. But then more often than not, we watch people fail and laugh at them, um, because it's so absurdly difficult. It punishes anybody that gives it a real try. So boy, LJ just dropped knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Man. That was good. Um, and and I think that one of the things that we're all afraid of is we're all afraid of changing the national anthem. Um, but I think the most famous national anthems like Destiny's Child, like Whitney Houston's, like Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix had, Shout out, yep. had probably the most unique national anthem of all time. But also it was the most poignant that I've ever heard because it takes. Well, I just think you got to be careful if you're going to change the national anthem. You better have some good up your sleeve like they did, because it's like you're saying it's not something. Just anybody can go out and sing. Like you need to have some yeah. serious talent. Uh, Fergie and a lot of people that get asked to sing national anthems are not on that level. And so, you know, I think we've got two options. We either need to make the national anthem easier or we need to um, be careful and very selective about who we let. Because it it's honestly kind of embarrassing to be watching the thing that's supposed to make you feel patriotic. And, and then they flash to Chance the Rapper laughing at it. You know? they, chan- like they flash to every player. Kind of they're like trying bad. not to uh, laugh. Yeah. Like the, you can tell they're like, what in the hell is going on here? Jimmy Kimmel, you saw him pop up and the, you could read his brain saying, well, I got something to talk about. Today. Yeah. He's like, here we go. <laughs> And that's that's kind of embarrassing, right? That that's like that's the way people see the national anthem across the world right now. That's that's the version of it that everybody's listening to and laughing at. I well, don't know. It's considering our global audience and all the people that we have listening. We have an we, Irish uh, audience member. I'm just throwing that out there. Really? So. Well, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who it is, but we've got five downloads from Ireland. Can you can you save us all <laughs> from Fergie, and can you give us a little Destiny's Child, or do you not have that pulled up? 
me beat that. Beat that. But, um, man. Well, I was going to say, like you were saying a second ago, how it's almost somewhat embarrassing to know that people are laughing at your national anthem. Mm-hmm. That right there makes your the You're hair proud. on your skin kind of crank up and, and you go, you just feel ha- like you feel proud to be an American when you hear just how I mean, beautiful that sounds. I'm looking at my screen. Dad's in front of a white wall. You're wearing a red shirt and I got a blue light right behind it. I'm patriotic as hell right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm a touch emotional right now. Yeah. I, every time I hear that rendition, it gets to me. Incredible. That is the most beautiful um, rendition I've ever and heard. I would say there's one life. underrated version the of the national anthem that just, I mean, people love it, but it doesn't get talked about as much. And I'll play it for you right quick. It's Marvin Gaye's version. Marvin Gaye's version is great. He had glasses on during it. to mention that i think one of the things that makes that if not on par with destiny's child right next to it um is that it is truly a group experience um it didn't feel pretentious it didn't feel like anything but like you know pride and um it felt like it in the same way that like you listen to bob marley and it doesn't feel like he's doing anything you can't do respect it just feels like he means something with it and you want to be there with him meaning the same thing and i i think that is maybe the way the national anthem should be done regularly. Um, I like that. Yeah. Where was where was the Marvin? Where was the Marvin Gaye one? I know that I, well, I don't know for sure, but I think the Destiny's Child one was at Houston. I I know that for a fact. And that's the Houston one. About yes. Hmm. I just remember thinking that NBA was in Texas game, right? when we were watching it. It but. was and. Uh, that was when my boy T Mac was still at Marvin Gaye's rendition was in the Los Angeles forum. Oh, okay. And dad, do you know much, much Marvin Gaye? Like I didn't listen to, or yeah, do you know anything know about Motown? Marvin Gaye. Am I missing out? <laughs> I mean, if you're asking me, I, I can't tell you his whole, uh, uh, record history. What is that? Bibliot record discography. bibliography or discography. discography. <laughs> um, but I can tell you everything I've heard of, Marvin Gaye, I love. Let's get it on. I will tell you that Let's Get It On is, I believe, presently at number one in Lifford's top 500 of all. Really? Time. Wow. Wow. Marvin Gaye is number one. Yes. Can we please break down that list a little bit in a future episode? We, we might need to talk about that list at some <laughs> I would love to yeah. see what makes that list. <laughs> Marvin Gaye's number one. I'll Spoiler go ahead. Spoiler alert. Hey, Kev, how should we behave in the men's restroom? From the aptly titled Urinal Gum. (laughs) All right. Well, I wanted to touch on a little pet peeve of mine that I've kind of, it's always been something that I feel like needs to be addressed. And it's the lack of common knowledge among men of bathroom etiquette. Yeah. And I've specifically, I noticed it at at the Super Bowl party I was at. I was using the restroom. And someone came to see if there was someone in there. Not only did the door being shut and the light 
coming from under the door, not signified. Again. <laughs> that didn't deter them. <laughs> someone uh, that didn't deter them, but then they're going to go to the doorknob and and shake it, you know, right. to see if someone's there. And then I'm like one second and I came out and it was all good, but I just don't understand the way to check if someone, if the door's locked, if you're going to go ahead and decide that that light and the door being shut isn't enough, you can just lightly put your hand on there and try to turn the doorknob. Does it turn? Okay. I'll walk off and I'll come back in a little bit. Right. I'm going to let whoever's in there taking care of their business. Right. Their way. Or you can lightly knock if you'd like and give them a little, but I, I just, I don't understand. Don't wiggle the, the door handle. Don't, just don't, yeah, wiggle. don't wiggle the door handle. And, but that's not even the big one. The big one is public restrooms and there needs to be zero conversation ever, ever in a public restaurant. Public restroom. <laughs> well, <laughs> ever. No matter. There's no situation where talking makes sense in a public restroom. Okay. Restaurant. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I am a little strong. There, there needs to be the minimal amount of conversation. I think when you come in, like you move your ass over to another stall, that, that kind of conversation. If there's like someone drops up and you're trying to let them know, like, hey, your phone's on the ground or something, you can do that, but don't. There's no reason. Don't start like a full blown conversation with me. Like, how's your day or what, what? You know, there's no need. If we make eye contact, give me the nod. Just politely go. It's terrible radio so, right there. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> show show us that again. <laughs> Shut up for the for the listeners. <laughs> for um, you listeners, he did a really cool little nod. It's what he did. So, but so so if if we're having a conversation before we go into the bathroom, is that an OK thing to do? So we're saying. Me and you are walking into the restroom, a public restroom that there could be plenty. Yeah. No, I think we just, we hold off. I think actually the other day when me and dad went to the movies, we were talking about the movie afterward. And when we went to the restroom, we all, uh, I, I'm sure dad noticed me and Labat, who was with us, both purposely didn't choose this, this urinal right beside him. And then we all use the restroom and we all. Yeah. We, we quit, quit talking, talking because that's what we, we should talking. do. And we washed our hands. And then as soon as we walked out, we got right back on our conversation. Yeah. Right where we left off. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you. I think it's okay if you're in a conversation. I think it's, it's maybe even weirder to then like, okay, well, I've got something to say, but I'm going to wait. I feel like that acknowledges I, the fact that you're peeing more than talking during the Time that you I paid. think it's okay, but I do think just naturally we walked in. I'm telling you, so I go to the first stall. There's two stalls in the line. There's no partition between the stalls. I go to the first stall. Labot's behind me. He kind of looks and goes into the the closed stall. You know, I, I go to the urinal. He goes to the closed stall. Kevin kind of hesitates for a minute and goes to the second closed stall. No talking. Do your business. Wash your hands. Get out. Resume the, the conversation. Way, That's how it went. I think there's a difference, though. There's a hierarchy on using a urinal versus a stall. I think if you're separated by a wall, conversation's dead. But if you're not separated by a wall, I don't know that it necessarily has to if it's already started. I think it's more important. If you're not separated by a stall, I do not yeah, want to talk to you. you I don't, have, that I don't awkward have anything thing to do with you. Now we're having a conversation and we're both using the restroom. And now I like to look at someone while I'm talking to them. I don't want to look at someone while I'm peeing. <laughs> well, so that's your problem that you can't decide now, to look straight ahead and now still talk. If you're peeing outside, if it's like you're going out to the backyard or something, and you're and two guys are peeing, using the tree. Oh, you can talk all you want. Then it's just when you're in a public restroom. 
So if there's not like a place to look, if you guys can look at each other while while you're taking care of your business, then it's okay. It's just it's the unwritten rules, you know. If we're going outside and we're both peeing in different directions outside, we can. Well, sure, if you get your talk. backs turned to you, right? That, that makes the difference. So what if you were in a restroom where the urinals were on separate walls? I don't want to interrupt the sanctuary that the bathroom is for any third person that might come in or might already be in there. The bathroom is okay. a place for self-reflection and, <laughs> and that uh, makes sense. That makes sense. If there's a third party, I understand not wanting to involve them. I it would never bother me to be the third person in that conversation. I just would not care, but I understand what your mindset is. But what if you're in the restroom alone? Is that, does that make a difference at all? Wait, um, I'm in the restroom by myself and I'm talking so, to myself. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, is it okay? No. Um, is it I okay? do that sometimes. Okay, well, that's, that's the truth. But I'm doing self-reflection. I'm doing self-reflection. Well, you should do it in your head. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, if you're, if you're in a, if we, if we're in a conversation, we're walking to the bathroom, we walk in, we go immediately hushed because we don't know, but Radio then we find silence. out nobody else is in the bathroom. Can I say, hey, uh, about what you just said, here's my thoughts on it. Like, is that allowed? Well, you can. I'm going to silently look at just be a, a little disappointed in you, but we're, it's not going to be an uncomfortable drop to silence because like we did when it was me and dad and Labot, we just naturally are not going to be talking once we go to the restroom and then we can continue our conversation afterward. It's just we, so can, we can continue I, our conversation while washing our hands. That's that's what I was about to ask. What Wait. is the when is the moment? Like if I'm washing my hands and you're using the bathroom, can I now talk? When when there is when when, when everybody's pants when are zipped, please put away in pants or zip. We're good. <laughs> that's time to talk. Then you can everybody's, talk. Everybody's got to right. be zipped. So don't 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 touch me. That's fair. Don't don't try to touch me in the restroom. There's no reason. If if there's no shaking hands. <laughs> nice to meet you. None of that. No. There's a there's the polite nod. Is all that needs to be done. <laughs> And that's it. No, fist no, bumps. Fist bumps. no fist bumps. There's no, no reason bumps. to touch. <laughs> I, for some reason, I just there's just germs in the restroom. There's all that. I, I just let's go outside. And then if, for whatever reason, if you want to fist bump me, even though we walked into the, I don't know why you'd want to. But so as soon as you cross the threshold of the door, it's okay now. The germs have decided I want to stay in here. I didn't say the rules scientifically so make sense. You. They're just the rules. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Also, another rule is if you're going to go use one of the stalls, let's get into the urinals first. If there's, you always, no matter what, if there's another person, if you're the first person in the restroom, use an end urinal. Use one. Use an end urinal. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're the second person and someone's on that, if you can, you use the, I believe, at least one urinal in between them. If that possibility is not there, like the situation that dad talked about, or there's two urinals beside each other, go to the stall. If you can use the stall, that's not a disabled one. So if someone disabled needs to use it. Right. Leave it open when you can. Right. And then if you have to, if that first stall is taken, you have to go to the disabled one. That's fine. Then if worse come to worse, I still, if, if there's only thing open is one urinal and a trap beside someone, personally, I'm going to kind of meander back over to the hand washing area for a good three to five seconds if nothing opens, then I'll go over to use this urinal, but at least I gave time for hopefully one of them to finish. That is completely contingent on how bad well, I got to go to the say, bathroom. If, I, if, if my desire to use that urinal is a three, I can wait all day. Whatever. 
If my if it's a nine, <laughs> then I'm using it. I don't care. I'm not thinking about the rules at that point. Uh, also, with stalls, even because most stalls do- stall doors kind of close on their own. At least they'll look like push to. If you're gonna use, if you're gonna go bust into a stall, go ahead and make like the polite check as you're walking up to see if you see feet or hear something. Don't just try to boom in there because if someone's in there talking to taking the Browns to the Super Bowl, they need to get <laughs> their peace and quiet time. They don't need someone in there just like Kramer trying to get into the stall. Okay, I got a question. There's I got just a no question need for that. Okay, I'm in the restroom at a urinal. Somebody's obviously in the stall taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. A noise emanates from the stall that is one that is quite humorous. Sure. Is it okay to respond to go, hey, is everything all right in there? Or you just ignore it? I mean, what's appropriate at that point? Do you know the person in there? I don't know. They're in the, they were in the stall when I came in. I don't know if I know them or not, but they made a noise. Then I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd mention it, but if you knew the person making fun of them, I think is absolutely. But sometimes acceptable. I giggle out loud. I mean, I know they can hear me giggling. Yeah, you know, well, that's okay too. But don't say gonna anything. Wait in there. They're going to wait in there. I can just imagine that's at the don't at the urinal going. Don't force somebody that's. It's a lot cooler giggle than that. Jeez, not tee tee, but me personally, if I'm going to have to use a public restroom, if I'm in there, hopefully I'm solo dolo in there. But if someone does come in, I'm going to try to hold the noises that may come. Dude, time out. If you're sitting on the toilet, I mean, the orifices are open. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. That's going into the bumper. Personally, I'm going to try to, but, you know, whatever happens, happens. I just like to do my business in my own presence, not around others. Well, me too, but I mean, y'all used to wiggle your do- fingers up under the door, which used to irritate the living <laughs> shit out of me. This was before but, I realized the unwritten rules. I was, <laughs> okay, I was hey, you were too young. But I'm just saying sounds come out sometimes in the bathroom that you don't mean and don't intend and can't help. And you just got to let them come out. And That's okay. Just, if, you're the, if you're the guy at the urinal, when you hear that sound, no reason to... Say anything. No comment. It. Yeah, okay. don't make the somebody stall answer what a question. <laughs> he, he's okay. obviously he'll not in an interview position. He's at a public restroom with <laughs> bad poo going on. He doesn't. It's not a press conference. You don't get to ask questions. If you're in a public stall with the door shut, sitting down, it's a bad thing. I'm just telling it's you. Not I, that's the last choice. Can I? Can I ask why the public stalls tend to have that like? half an inch gap everywhere in it so you can just haphazardly accidentally make eye contact with somebody while you're walking into it's the bathroom. It's the worst too. You like go in there and you're going to, you're going to see like is someone installed before yeah. you can like as soon as you get there you can't help it. You see like obviously like, like a little bit of thigh and eyes is what you catch like oh yeah. And, and yeah. Right. First off, uh, if you make eye contact, it's bad. Well, That's awkward. You don't, yeah. So why should the door should be fixed? Yes. There should be no gap to where you there have that option. That, yeah. That shouldn't be allowed. So a gap about thigh level is all you want, right? Not eye level. No, no gap. I mean, while we're, I, while we're talking about, no, I don't even need a gap. talking about having to drop the kids off at the pool in a public restroom, automatic toilets can sometimes be awful because there's nothing worse when you're in the middle <laughs> yeah. of taking care of business and all of a sudden, and of course, every single one of those automatic toilets that's going to go off mid poo goes off at high velocity and water starts <laughs> splashing everywhere. There's never a doubt. Right. 
The sensitive uh, ones are also oh, the most the worst. <laughs> yes, it's true. No, there's it's no terrible. automatic toilet that flushes <laughs> softly. It's like whoosh, and water splashing everywhere. <laughs> it's and a fact. That is a it's fact. Just a pain. Yeah. yeah, the rest of the food is tight. It's just not conducive. My, my, uh, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> situation. The worst guy in a public restroom. Oh god, in a man's one yeah. at least is the spitting the gum out in the urinal. That's just that just tells me a lot about oh, you as, a, as yeah. a human being. If if you forego the opportunity to spit yeah. it, because at I every public restroom there's a trash can right there. When you walked in. So you could either have spit the gum mm-hmm. out then, or maybe you didn't realize you wanted to. And while you're sitting at the urinal, you think, I need to, I kind of want to spit this gum out. Wait three more seconds and spit it out on your way out. Someone's going to have to pick that gum up. It might not be you. It <laughs> yep. might not ever yep. have to be you, but someone is. And it's just, I don't like the person that spits yeah. their gum out in the urinal. Well, and speaking of people that do that kind of thing, it's not quite as bad, but I think it's like, it's a worse person that does it. Uh, there have been more than one occasion that I've been on a bus here in the city and someone has pulled the string so they could get off and then they'll open the door, throw their McDonald's wrapper out the door and then go sit back down on the bus. Oh, that's despicable. Yes. Oh, that, I, I could not be a friend with that person. Oh, the first time I saw it happened, I almost went to go find some trash because they have little trash cans oftentimes on the bus. And I went to go. Fi- I almost went to go find some trash and hand it to them just so they had to still sit with it. <laughs> But I didn't because I'm not that kind of person. I have um, a story. I have the courage I have. What's that story? Okay, so we're at, home, story we're at Home Depot the other day, Tammy and I, and we're getting something. Anyway, we're driving out of the parking lot, and we see a guy. He's in a contractor's truck, and I won't name the name of the contractor, but he, he gets his buggy, unloads it, and he just throws it to the buggy roundup place. You know what I'm talking about? He just yeah. throws it. Well, for whatever reason, it takes a little right, and it's running into a car. It's going to hit a Nissan Ultima or something. You know, a, a sure. nice car. Yeah. And the guy just, he just gets in his truck and goes on. Uh, and Tammy goes, can you believe that? That guy, he saw it. He saw it and didn't even try to stop it. Nothing at all. She said, can you believe it? So we stopped right dead in the road right there and just kept watching until it hit the car. And the guy looks at us like, what the hell are you looking at? And we said, we hollered out the window. We're looking at you. You let yeah. that buggy hit the car. And he goes, Oh, really? Oh, let me go check on it. Well, that's bullshit because he watched it happen. He just yeah. didn't know anybody saw him watch it happen. Yeah. That's being a dick. I'm just saying. Oh, man. And that, and guy, that guy spits his gum out at the urinal. He spits his gum out in the urinal. You. Guarantee he does right that. You. And he's also trying to talk to you. While and he's trying to talk to you. And he's asking you questions every time you fart. Yes. Every, that's that guy. Don't yeah. be that guy. Yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That okay. <laughs> that I, you can learn a lot about a man with the way he handles himself in a public restroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I'll okay. leave it at that. From most useful free player. Okay, and now to take a turn away from that subject, Dad, can you do me a favor and sm- spell? The sound of a snip. (laughs) Yes, I can spell it. uh, S-N-I-F-F. No, no, no. Like the sound you make it when you sniff. That sound. If when you sniff something, what is that sound? How do you spell it? You're trying to get me to do an onomatopoeia, by the way. But. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And if you're sit if you're sitting in the car right now and you're sniffing, one hundred. I spent thirty minutes earlier today <laughs> sniffing, trying to think of how this would sound. So you're not alone. Well, but it's I don't uh, know how, how, do you, you, would how spell do you spell that, that sound, but I, you can't spell every sound. But like buzz, buzz, you can spell that sound with with words with letters, and that's an onomatopoeia. Sure. Buzz or hum is 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 another example. I, sure. So your definition of onomatopoeia is on point. What's the answer to the question, though? Well. I mean, I, but I don't think, I mean, you can't. Thank you for that. <laughs> you can't. Everything's not an onomatopoeia. That's what I'm telling you. That, that, that you're saying make this an onomatopoeia and you can't make it one because it's not. It's like blink. I mean, I can't. I mean, blink your eyes. How does that sound? Spell that. Spell that sound. Okay. What? Well, it's just. That's how you spell it. It's just. It's no just sound. There's no sound. Yeah. Right. It's nothing. Right. Bad radio here, but here's how you spell it. Um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, okay. I'm so I, I don't know. How do you freaking smell sniff? Or how do you? I mean, how do you smell, smell the sound? How do you spell um, that? So I did some googling on this, and uh, apparently, uh, sniff is an onomatopoeia, and that is allegedly the best way they could come up with to describe the sound of a sniff is by the word sniff. Sniff. There's not an S though. I mean, yeah, that's true. But there's also not a B in buzz. It just goes. I don't know. Is there an H in hum? Yeah. I guess it's a silent H. I don't know. Hum. Um, and, and, and so to, to, to hammer the point home, I asked Hannah the question and she sniffed twice and then said, I put like three F's. And so then I did it. I went. They sound the same to me. They're totally the same. Okay. So I think she nailed it. I think. And so that proves that sniff is not a monopoeia. They put the double F in there. Um, so I think that's the answer. <laughs> okay. I'll go right, with it. Horn. <laughs> and, and to any listeners, any listeners, if y'all have the correct spelling or you think you have it, please, please tell us. Because we, I, I don't think we've nailed this down just yet. But. Also from most useful free player, we start to get a bit cerebral. Kevin's got some questions. All right. So now I want to also, I want to try out a segment really just to try and make me a little bit smarter because <laughs> Lord knows I need it. Because we can't make you prettier. So, so we're, LJ, LJ, we got our hands full, buddy. All right. So. Get ready, boys. Right, we're going to do a little explain it to Kevin. So, yeah. you know, the thing that a lot of people have it at their work or their office and it's that big like fountain where you take you take the big top whenever it's empty you take the big empty top part off and you put a new water container water cooler. and and you yeah it's around the water cooler okay. yeah yeah first off and it goes bloop 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 yep, yep. you get water yeah, okay first off right. that'll be a transition sound by the way <laughs> i was wondering first off once i started thinking about this who who i never see that thing change it's just it's empty sometimes and then it's full like, does someone come and change that? Do we change it at the office? Oh, yeah. Or? Yeah, I've had to change a few of those myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sure somebody does. Yeah. It doesn't do it by itself, Kevin. Well, yes. well, I knew it didn't do it by itself, but I thought, I don't know. I just So there's a, so there's a <laughs> cold water toggle and a yep. warm water toggle. Yep. And the cold water puts out good, solid cold water. Like, I enjoy it. That's good water. I don't, need, I, don't, I don't need to put ice in it, even if, like, I don't have to have to deal with my little... That's not enough ice. That's too much ice <laughs> issue that we talked about last week. I just have good water. Why does why it doesn't that that I felt the side of that the other day. It's not cold. 
Like why? Uh, why is it? Why is it getting my water you, cold? Are you serious? When was the last Seriously? Kevin? When was the last time you felt the side of your refrigerator? Is that cold? No, but it's different. That that's different material than this plastic thing. <laughs> that's why we have this segment, guys. It's, that's why we have yeah, this it, segment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't make fun of it. He's asking a real question. No stupid okay? question. We need to help him here. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. There, it, there's like a there's, there's a cooler a in compressor. There. There's a little compressor under there yeah. that that gets the water colder instantly. It's, though it's in that little reservoir, it's like a Keurig. No, it you keeps know how it. Keurig works. That's the way. Let's go. Tell me. I don't know. No. It's, it's magic. Well, a Keurig, <laughs> you have a thing of water sitting on yeah, the side. Yeah, but that takes a, of tap water. That takes a Keurig. I have to turn it on. And I press brew, and it has to heat up. Like it's not just instantly hot. Well, that's what Dad's saying. Is it's it's doing that all day and then when you pour it the the little thunk 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 is water going into the cooling reservoir well, it's not instantly cold there's I, like a little I spot in there the top that thing where that water's in the jug that's just room temperature water but the water that comes out yeah. is not yeah, room that's temperature lukewarm water, water. that's cold water there is a reservoir underneath <laughs> kevin that keeps what do you the think happens chill. in that white box <laughs> that's what i want to know that's what i want to know that and sometimes that little white box is humming. No. You can hear it humming. It's it. probably plugged in. See, now you're, it's wait, plugged wait, in. Are you just trying to make me look like an idiot? Because now I'm going to go to work and put my ear up next to that thing. And someone's going to look you at know, me. I'm not needing a lot of help. But <laughs> well, you're already yeah. feeling it up. Y'all told me to ask the <laughs> questions that I can't explain. And y'all were going to explain to me. Y'all didn't say this, is, well, no, y'all didn't say this no, was time to make Dad sound like it? an idiot, Tom. I did that on their whole. That's the rest of the podcast. It's not this segment. We're not doing that. You're doing that. Um, Does that make sense, though? No, I think I'm just going to chalk this up to this thing is an anomaly and I don't know how it's happening. Kevin, Kevin, I'll accept it. Kevin, it's magic. It's magic. Okay, well, tell me me another bit of wizardry. There's some more wizardry I want to know about. On a candle, when you light it, those little black tips. Okay. If you light, if I light. This piece of paper right here, it burns eventually away yes. to ash and it's no longer something I can burn. Yes. Those little black tips never burn out. Why? LJ, do you have this or? Oh, is this the same? I mean, do you want it? I can take it. I mean, go ahead. I mean, I, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, but- I mean, they do burn up, Kevin. They do disappear. No, they don't. They, uh, I, I, they, I they just disappear at the same level me. of the wax. How tall was the wick when you started? How tall was it? It when was you about a centimeter above the wax. And it still and is how, about a centimeter above the wax. And how has the wax changed? Is the wax level lower? Uh, yeah, I didn't mark it. I don't know where the wax is at. When I, uh, <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, the candles, they're full of wax, and then they're less full of wax. I but, thought, no, but that black, so you're saying that, that little black piece, I can't see it at the bottom of my candle, so you're saying it goes all the way down to the bottom of the it candle? Is, it's, a, it's a piece of string called a wick. That's, that's the scientific <laughs> term, is a wick. It's a string that's been dipped in wax, and it runs all the way to the bottom of the candle. So it is burning down. It doesn't just burn yes, forever, it like it seems like it. Okay, correct. And it comes out in smoke. You want me to be Bill Nye, the science guy, just a little bit? Okay. Bill. Bill. Okay. So basically, the lit wick, the the wick is lit, and the fire it's burn, lit. It melts. Do we? Did we get what, what a wick is, Kevin? You're you, saying what the, you wick, know what the is? wick is? Yeah, you, you told me what it is. A string, okay. <laughs> a string so dipped in wax. The, wicks, the fire's burning at the end of the wick. The fire melts the wax. As the wax melts and is in a liquid form, the wick absorbs the wax 
and is actually pushed up. And what is truly burning is the wax vapor. The wax vapor There's, is what, there is a lot of information being thrown at me right now. Yeah, I just learned something new there. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I'm having a hard time comprehending fact, it. When you first blow out a candle, try this. I'm gonna. This was an experiment that I read and I suggested, but I'm gonna try it. When you first blow out a candle, get a lit match and just hold it where that white smoke. You see that white smoke that comes out initially. Mm-hmm. Hold it in that white smoke, and that's that wax vapor, and it should take the fire back down to the wick. It will. Okay. I've done it. For, it'll relight your candle. It'll relight your candle. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's actually, it's the wax vapor that is burning and also some of the wick. It burns slower than a piece of paper, but it is in fact burning. And if you've ever burned a candle down to the very end, you'll see the, ver- the liquid and you'll see the glass at the bottom and it's on, me- on a little metal thing. I mean, the, the wick does eventually burn. It just burns slow. Y'all, y'all, y'all can tell me all these other things and you think you have an exclamation. CRISPR is in the news again. Want a refresher? From NFL Wrap-Up and DNA Scissors. So, I wanted to touch on, I know you've done a little bit of research on this before, LJ, and we saw some of our Twitter followers talking about it. Yep. And some cloning stuff. Mammoths getting cloned. I've read about some, some Asian elephants being cloned. I... I'm going to throw it over to you, LJ, and just get us started. All right. So the, the cloning part of it is only a small part of it. I think the most interesting part about like the woolly mammoth thing that you're talking about is, right. uh, is the gene editing. So like, right. you know, like your DNA tells your cells how to grow, right? So if you could change that DNA even slightly, then your cells could start saying grow red hair or grow um, whatever cells you replace grow blue eyes or something like that. And you can change your uh, physical or even non-physical characteristics through changing your DNA. Well, we found a virus that is able to chop at very specific parts in DNA and we can program what those parts are. And then we have a way to replace what we chop out. And that's that process is called CRISPR. And so what it means for us is we can teach a way to cut out exactly the DNA that we want to of anything and replace it with anything else we want to. So we can do things like one of the things that they're talking about is um, things like do we, uh, we could make a woolly mammoth by, we know what the woolly mammoth's DNA looks like and we know that it's close to an elephant's DNA. So we can cut the elephant's DNA and replace it with pieces of what would be woolly mammoth DNA and over time, it will turn into a woolly mammoth, literally. Well, so if a woolly mammoth's extinct, it'll never, this is some research I've done, is it's never not extinct. We can't ever make a woolly mammoth. We can make something extremely close. Well, we can make something exactly like it. You can't get the exact DNA from we, what a woolly mammoth yes, was. Yes, we have it. We have it in hairs that we found in amber. And so we know exactly what their genome is. And you can just replace an elephant's DNA with the pertinent parts. And now you've got a woolly mammoth. Well, now what I've read in in some of this uh, Cas9 where they find the certain string, if 19 of 20 of the, you know, the genomes or whatever work out, it could replace the wrong string. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's the most perfect we've had. And so... 
right now they're doing tests in real quick. One of the things that they're doing with it is you can actually potentially cure genetic diseases with it. So you've got mice that have muscular dystrophy, which is a genetic disorder, which teaches your muscles or your body to, instead of growing muscles, grow a fatty like tissue. And so they went in and they replaced the uh, part of the DNA that told the muscles how to grow with a more functioning uh, guidebook, if you will. And then those mice started learning how to grow muscles and got stronger, were able to walk around better, like had less pain. Um, so we can actually cure things like muscular dystrophy. And so the the reason I bring that up is that test, they were not successful in every mouse. They found that uh, some of their uh, CRISPR mice got so much better and some of them had little to no effect because the the DNA didn't slice in in the right spot or something like that. Um, and there's also a concern that if you change something you're, and you don't know what other parts of that creature uh, react to that uh, to DNA that change. DNA. Right. Yeah. You could end up creating like one of the things they were talking about is if you create um, mosquitoes that uh, cannot catch malaria, that might make mosquitoes potentially more toxic to frogs or better at surviving. So you end up with either no more frogs or a swarm of mosquitoes that block out the sun. Um, it's hard to know exactly what's going to come from every little change on that small of a scale in creatures guidebooks. What I found interesting is I was listening to something that said one of the proponents, I, I, there's ethical issues on whether we should or shouldn't do this. And some people's proponents mm -hmm. are what, so snow insulates dirt and it makes it to where like if the temperatures rise and fall, that's one thing. But when there's snow on top, it's slower to rise and fall. It's just a big insulator. And okay. so the bare earth, yeah. it lets out this permafrost, which releases carbon into the environment, which is part of the issue we're seeing. If you have if, global warming, right. right. And if so, if we can make one thing that making more mammoths would do, if we put mammoths into these snowy environments like they used to be, they're now trafficking the snow. They're taking their, I don't know if they eat the snow, but there's snow and they're trafficking it. And the less snow comes out, that means that we get back to what the earth was doing at the beginning and it slows the release of carbon into the atmosphere, thus making our atmosphere more healthy. So that's one reason why making mammoths, yeah. more mammoths or any mammoths, I guess, because we're out of Wait, You're saying if we make more woolly mammoths, we're going to have more <laughs> snow. Is that what you're saying? Less snow. Because they're going to eat the snow? Or stomp it and move it around, expose more it's dirt. the dirt is what we're... So if we make more woolly mammoths, we're going to have more global warming. Is that what less, you're saying? Less, I'm saying less global warming. Because right now, what they'll do is they'll make it to where we get back to what the Earth was doing in its original point when it was the best. It's obviously gone worse and worse and worse. Make we're going to get back again. to where... Yeah, we're going to make Earth great again. <laughs> And stop releasing that carbon. Well, now who's to say when, I mean, maybe if we could stop everything right now, Earth is at its best right at this moment. I mean, who's to say when it was at its best and at its worst? Well, Earth was at its healthiest for uh, life on it before. Right now, before, what? before we took over the whole world as humans. Um, I don't know if I agree with that, but anyway. Well, no, the Earth doesn't care about your opinion. It's <laughs> <laughs> another another thing going on that same argument is 
Indians that were living or inhabiting in California, over on the west coast of North America, they before before these mammals became extinct, they were able to use that for warmth, like that fur and different stuff. And once mammoths became extinct, they had to use something else. So they started using trees, wood, fire. And they started killing all the trees. They started using all that wood. And so we got less trees. Now California is where it's at. It's just, it's so fascinating to me to see the progression we've got. I don't know if make if we clone mammoths and bring more mammoths into our habitat. That does seem like, that seems like a, a fun side project, but that's not really the most useful application right now for this. Okay. Uh, the most right. useful application would be fighting disease or, um, you know, like it or not, it's definitely going to be applicable to design embryos to whatever baby you want to have. So, like, if you want to have a taller baby, change the DNA while they're still an embryo to be a taller person. You can find the DNA of Usain Bolt and make your kid as fast as Usain Bolt, potentially, if you can if you can figure out what DNA makes that happen. Well, so the, the question really is that if we can fix certain sequences of DNA and eliminate the sequence that's more apt to catch cancer or have muscular dystrophy or, or, or Alzheimer's, uh, Alzheimer's, whatever that should be done. But it would be so easy while you're in there to say, uh, I want my kid to have more muscle endurance yeah. or blonde hair or blue eyes. And that's that's freaky to me. Yeah. And that's where you're playing God too much. But boy, if we could eliminate the, the gene sequence that makes you more apt to Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, it seems like we ought to do that with no question. But I want Kevin and LJ to have blue eyes and blonde hair. I wish you would have picked the. I wish you would have picked the taller embryos. <laughs> the taller. <laughs> well, uh, well, I might would have done that, but you know, I didn't have that option. So, well, and and what happens then if uh, so? If it costs, this is the cheapest gene editing ever. But also, you'll need to have a specialized doctor or scientist that understands this process very well, and they aren't going to be cheap. Um, so like, let's say that you can make your kid more athletic or not have Alzheimer's or something like that. And it's only going to cost you say $2,000. If you've got that, how could you possibly turn it down? But then you're also creating a gap in poor people are now the only people that get Alzheimer's and how, how ethical is that? Right? Yeah. Well, I want to read something I found. So, okay. I, I still think this, this leads me into a conversation about Hitler who tried gene therapy to some degree, okay? And he was a a student of Friedrich Nietzsche, right? Who was an atheist and who believed that evolution would eventually produce a Superman whose distance from ordinary man is greater than the distance between man and ape. And that this Superman would eventually be a demigod and rule over ordinary men. But that's what Hitler was trying to do. I'm just... So you're opening the Pandora's box. I'm not saying everybody is as evil as Hitler was. Sure. You know, Hitler obviously had a skewed view of of world things, but trying to make a better race of people in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just if that evil superhuman aspect comes to play where we're going to rule the world with this superhuman race. The other thing in that is that... uh since it is relatively cheap for somebody with the knowledge to do, you could do it to somebody even without them fully being aware. Like if you've got somebody under for surgery or something like that, you could just, you know, I'll, I'll front the $70 to create this person as, you know, some evil mind might want to just play with somebody's genes experimentally. Um, 
So there's, there's implications that, you know, even if you are, even if most of society is doing very good things with it and doing very useful things and keeping it very ethical, you still potentially could have people with enough know-how and $75 that can change an entire lineage. This is really cool. And I think it could be great for people, but as, as you hear in the movies, you know, the, if the power gets into the wrong hand and it variably can, because it's the only barrier to entry is being really intelligent and, and making your way into a lab that works on these things. And, uh, evil people can be yeah. pretty smart too. So well, I wondered, you know, there, I, I saw there were two different kinds and there's this, they've identified this ACE gene and that if you have two long strands of ACE genes, you'll have more muscle efficiency and stamina than if you had one long and one short. And that one has more than if you had two short ACE gene strings. Mm-hmm. Well, if I went into surgery, could I conceivably go, Hey, give me, my two short ACE strings. Mm-hmm. I want you to make them longer. I mean, that would be something. If I could do that for a couple of thousand dollars, I would be very tempted to do that. But that's not going to hurt my progeny. Right. You know, I'm not having any more right. kids. So it's not, I'm not, it wouldn't be in my reproductive organs. It would just simply be for me and this earth at this time. Right. I don't know. That's, that would be very interesting for me to think of the possibility. That would create a huge problem with, uh, There'd be asterisks all over the Hall of Fame in baseball because yeah. sports would change nope. completely. Yeah, now Those we're not going performance enhanced drugs. We're going medically enhanced procedures. Yeah. Gene, we're going genome yeah. enhanced. Like uh, you didn't grow up tall enough is not a valid excuse not to make it to the NBA anymore because you can just change that. You can't so have not grown up only tall do the rich stay rich, but the rich stay rich and more athletic and better looking and taller and don't get diseases that kill the poor people and like live AIDS, longer, yeah. cancer, uh, hemophilia. So you have a society of the rich yeah. that at the there's end, the elites and then there's everyone else. Well, the yeah. poor would eventually die since they since they live for, you know, maybe 100 years longer than the poor now because diseases just cannot keep up with them. Um, they make enough money and that they can continue to keep the market going in their favor and nobody ever can break that. You know, if you're not at. Are we defining the TB12 method? Is this what Tom Brady's been I don't doing? Think he's doing G sequencing, is he? I don't know. He's eating avocado ice cream. Uh, no wonder Belichick, no wonder Belichick kicked that trainer out. <laughs> Also, I guess that's the other thing is it is possible to play with right now. The chances of success are lower than we would hope that they'd be, but still not too low. Um, It is possible that some athletes are even playing with this currently. And how would you even check for somebody changing their DNA? Because their DNA is their DNA, right? Yeah, you can't test that. Um, It's not like you can test uh, uh, somebody for testosterone or something like that. You can only test, is their entire genome exactly what it was when they started playing in the NBA and there's no way to keep up with that. I don't know. My gut tells me it's a bad idea, but it certainly has some intrigue. Um, Well, but it's got so many benefits. I mean, how can you, if you can end Alzheimer's cancer AIDS, it's hard. It's hard to argue that. I mean, how can you not pursue that? Well, Now it's illegal in the UK. I saw, and they have a, apparently a, 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 a board that decides on ethical questions related to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, is that just in the UK, LJ? Can we use it in the United States? Is this is this cast uh, available in the United States? 
Yeah, we can use it for research purposes in the United States currently. Um, I know that uh, in China, they have actually successfully uh, CRISPRed embryos of humans that were never going to come to term. But like they have proven that it is a viable thing that you can do with some error, but you can do in humans. Um, and so they're testing it on humans. Yeah. Human cells, which is yeah, which is, um, you know, we, we that's the other thing is how can if if England makes it illegal, that maybe only sets them behind. Right. Um, their researchers know less than every other country in the world about this technology is that's going to make you know, a new class of. Is this like people. stem cell research? Is it, is it anywhere in that same sphere? Cause, cause that control, uh, that can cure diseases, right? But there were other aspects that were dangerous. Well, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different because stem cells are uh, essentially cells that haven't been told what to be yet. They're just waiting on the DNA to say, okay, so you go get to be hair or you go get to okay. be part of a heart or whatever. Um, and so the thing that we were trying to do with that was we would try to, uh, put that on someone who's got like, say a lung disease, we could put stem cells into their lungs and it might grow into the pieces that you need to repair them because your DNA now doesn't have that anymore. So it'd be a foreign body. But the, the controversy, the biggest controversy with that is you get stem cells from aborted fetuses, basically, right? Well, yeah, yeah you can either get them from, I mean, essentially what, what you get them from is not going to survive and it is human cells. So, you know, the implication of where does life start is something that, you know, especially as a country, we haven't decided on um, cohesively yet. And so to take those cells is, is a uh, very controversial, but, uh, but it is a little bit different in the, that's not controversial because it could change the world in ways that we can't even imagine yet. Um, but it could affect something that we don't know if ethically it's okay to affect. It's, it's a little bit different, but a similar okay. place. Well, I'm glad you explained that. I didn't really right. understand stem cells. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a self that doesn't know what it wants to be. And you can make it be anything you want. Be lungs. That is be- my understanding is it's waiting for instructions still. And so that's what makes up. The majority of a, z- a zygote, I believe it's called. And I should clarify before our listeners like start <laughs> writing this down. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. Uh, I'm this is the best of my understanding. And I think the other two guys. I'm an avid Googler. He said Holiday Inn Express last night. But, you know, uh, <laughs> um, but but yeah, uh, a, a zygote is made up of stem cells. And as as it uh, multiplies and divides, then uh, then it becomes more and more stem cells that oh. then start getting jobs after. Some amount of time. Whereas, yeah, let me think of a great Third Eye Blind song. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know the song Darwin by Third Eye Blind? Oh, yeah. Darwin mm-hmm. is amazing. It's a great song. Check it out, um, listeners, if you haven't yet. <laughs> um, and then another interesting thing that they figured out is uh, you can, through CRISPR, to get back to that, you can actually teach. Uh, Tell me what so, CRISPR is real quick. Tell the listeners Does that acronym what? mean something, LJ? Is it? Yeah, let me, let me look it up real quick. It'll take me two it's seconds. It's an acronym, Kev, for this pr- procedure. Uh, but I don't know what it stands for. So CRISPR stands for clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. And that name makes a lot of sense if you know exactly what's going on. Um, but that that is like a, a pretty hardy science lesson about how DNA works and how bacteria saves virus DNA. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of resources out there if anyone wants to learn more. I find it highly interesting, but it is really technical and specific. 
Um, well, so you touched on that, LJ. I was re- so we learned this from bacteria that actually do this naturally. They cut out a part of their DNA and splice something else in to keep parasitic bacteria from coming in and taking refuge in their DNA. Right. So we learned this procedure from a natural procedure. Right. It was actually something we discovered back in the 80s that it was happening. Okay. Um, some Japanese scientists discovered it, but it wasn't up until I think like maybe 10 years ago that scientists started thinking about uh, the applications that we are dealing with now. Um, at that time, they were just saying, this is some really neat stuff, but it took until like we had these really cool uh, gene databases that everything can be searchable. So anybody with an internet connection can learn about bacteria DNA that we started thinking about what can we do with this? And mm. that's where we got these scissors that can cut up your DNA and fix them. Amazing. So, Amazing stuff. Yeah. You, so you, you want to change your mosquitoes to not have malaria, right? Mm-hmm. So you, uh, you change a mosquito's DNA and then it goes out into the wild and it mates with a mosquito that has not had this CRISPR procedure done to it. And then their child has a 50% chance of getting the gene that you put into it, right? And then its child will have a 25% chance of getting the gene that you put into it. So over time, your genes start to disappear. So can we actually do anything long term to keep mosquitoes from having malaria? Well, someone came up with an idea of CRISPRing something twice, essentially, one to give it the gene you want and one to give it a gene that teaches it how to make that CRISPR uh uh, process happen in its progeny. So then you can go into the baby as it's being born and snip out that part of the DNA and make it 100% likely that it comes out with both of those genes that you put into it. So then you can go into changing the entirety of mosquitoes forever in however long it takes for the entire population to reproduce something like, um, well, it depends on how many you put out into the world, but maybe, you know, 30 cycles of reproduction, maybe you could change all of mosquitoes ever. And then that can apply to humans or frogs or whatever you want it to. Well, we're speeding up evolution, right? Evolution takes a thousand generations and now we can do it. Yeah, now. but we're putting evolution into our own hands. Yeah. We're also, yeah, deciding what evolution should be. And one of the reasons evolution has been successful is that it's had thousands of years to try and, and make errors and fix. And Trial something and like error, that. yeah. We're- Whereas we're saying, let's change everything in the next 40 years and see what happens. And we make some bad decisions sometimes. I'm just saying. So we've been known to do that. Every, every, every so often. (laughs) often. I've not formed my opinion yet, but in my gut, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm scared. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way as I've, I've got this uh, concern, but also I feel like it's hard to stand in the way of something that is going to be unbelievably useful. And finally from broth with noodles, LJ leaps right over the line. And now we are going to completely change directions and get on to a little something that we, we like to educate ourselves at times. And LJ, I feel like there's there's something that's been in the news that just I'm just going to give you the ball here. The ball's in your court. So um, there is a, a way it turns out now um, to surprisingly cheaply grow meat in a laboratory instead of on an well, animal. Okay. All okay. right. No, I'm, I'm not just... as hungry as I was. Okay. Hmm. All right. But here's the I'm deal. Intrigued. Here's the deal. So we talked about stem cells. Yeah. Like a couple weeks ago, right? We talked about stem cells and how they're uh, cells that essentially haven't been told what to be yet. So you can give them 
a certain page of the playbook and then they can learn yeah, what to be. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, um, so if we collect animal stem cells and tell them to be this muscle fiber or something like that, then we can grow hamburger meat. There are a lot of benefits to this. Um, I think the, f- the first thing to think about is like, it's, it's kind of, it feels icky, right? Like it just doesn't feel right. My yeah. initial thought was, yeah, I would agree. If you think about like, so, uh, where where you get sick on in food is through uh foodborne illnesses often come through uh like cross contamination during the slaughtering process. So if you eliminate that, mm-hmm. no more foodborne well, no not many more foodborne illness illnesses. You cut out a lot of it. Um and also uh you can if you're growing your meat instead of farming your meat, you can uh <laughs> You can have the grown no, man out of everybody is chuckling to this. The dad of the group, not not the four year old. <laughs> but you can you can lower greenhouse gas emissions by seventy eight to ninety six percent. You can lower the energy consumption to do that by seven to forty five percent, and you can use eighty two to ninety six percent less water to create the same amount of hamburger. Can I ask a question, LJ? Yeah. How many can you give me in weight? How many stem cells do we get out of one cow? I mean, I have you know. no idea on that, um, but it well, would I'm just not- wondering, does it <clears throat> multiply in meat? You know, I mean, is it is only as much meat as stem cells? So the way it works is, uh, at least from my understanding, and again, I'm not a scientist, uh, but you uh, <laughs> you start with a certain uh, however many stem cells you need to kind of get the clump going. And then that will divide upon itself and create whatever it needs to create. Um, it's the same function of if you've got like a, um, a messed up organ, like say a part of your lung is broken or whatever, and they can apply stem cells to it, but they don't need to apply enough to create your entire lung. They just need to apply enough to start the, the regrowing process The growth. Um, So you can start with a relatively small amount of stem cells, but you are still beholden to having some of those animals around to get stem cells from. Can I interject real quick? I'm going to get this down to a fourth grade level or in other words, Kevin's sure, yeah. level right on your face. So, so <laughs> you're saying so far that we can, instead of having a farm with a bunch of cows on it, yeah, we can just grow this meat Correct. and not have to worry about the disposal of the rest of the cow. We don't use and the, the pig we don't use. There's a quote and- in an article that I read about it. Um, that uh, Winston Churchill apparently said something along the lines of that he hates that we have to grow a whole chicken just to get the the breast and the thigh. And this is exactly what he would have hoped for based on this quote. You can just grow the part of the animal. That I you know want. there are issues and I'm not going to get I'm going to you have some more to add, but there's issues with how these animals at these farms are getting disposed and it's ruining people that live around areas that like have a pig farm. Their water is 100% contaminated because yeah. of the pig farm. And so, I, I don't know how I feel about growing meat instead of having it. I guess well, we, would, in, no, in a sense, have carcasses, be better. So. In a sense, we're growing yeah. meat already. We're just growing it on a live organism. and Yeah, we're just doing it. it the hardest way possible. And also, something has to suffer at the end. Maybe I'm jumping ahead. I'll, I'll let you. Do you have more to, do you have more to well, go? Or we, I mean, I, I have some things to add in that... Uh, if you think about things like so, so right now we're only at the process where you can make essentially ground up meats. Um, so by the end of this year, they're thinking you're going to have uh, in your shopping centers, you're going to have things like nuggets, chicken nuggets. You'll have sausage and you'll have things like foie gras. 
in your uh, in your supermarket. What was that last um, thing? Foie gras. It's a it's a French delicacy. And it's actually it's really interesting that this is something they're working on because it's actually insanely inhumane to create. Um, it's essentially a goose or duck liver that that goose or duck has been force fed corn to the point that it almost dies of that. And then apparently that makes the liver just absolutely delicious. And so you find it in fancy restaurants all the time. But if we can find a way to make this meat without having to torture an animal to that degree, sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm on the side of I want to quit force feeding these animals corn until they're like miserable. Yeah. And if we can grow it, let's I've never heard of this thing before. Foie gras, what, say, what's foie the word? gras. It's it's a French word. Foie gras. Sounds French. It's, ah, look at me go. <laughs> Well, I did say French like two seconds ago, so. It's a it's a French delicacy, <laughs> but uh, it takes about nine weeks to grow a, a hamburger. And in 2013, that cost three hundred thirty thousand dollars to grow a hamburger. Right now, it costs about eleven dollars. So the price is going down like crazy. It's still way more expensive than an actual hamburger, but. I'm willing to spend a little bit more if I don't have to worry about the yeah, I, I think about the cruelty and the environmental impact of what I eat, I, but I just don't do anything. Well, about I mean, it's, it's the you know? age and, old saying you love sausage, but you don't want to see how the sausage is made. You know, I mean, right. True. Yeah. And then also you have things like, uh, you know, antibiotics in chicken is a huge problem. Right. right? Wants, but yeah. like if you don't have an animal that can contract a disease, then then you don't have to worry about antibiotics on anything like you can just have healthy chicken to eat with no issues whatsoever you know oh wow i just what's got the, what's the old joke of oh, remember the old joke about the chicken and the pig the chicken is involved in breakfast the pig is committed <laughs> to breakfast <laughs> how old of a joke is that i've never heard that before <laughs> you've never heard that <laughs> i don't know if i've heard the that chicken's either. involved the pig he committed <laughs> okay lj i got i got a curveball to throw at you okay can Say I'm a vegan or a vegetarian. I don't eat. I don't like, or I just don't like the fact that we kill animals to eat it. Can I now eat this? Absolutely. And they're actually in a um, KFC bucket. Uh, if they're using the right uh, lab-grown meats, then then I. If that's your if the, if your reasoning, a lot of people are vegan for the the torture of animals cause or for the environmental impact of what we eat. And if you can solve both of those problems, then yeah, most vegans will go back to if if they have a taste for it. Still, we'll go back to eating but, meat. But you're still getting stem cells from live animals. I think that will be where they won't. Do uh, it, right? Yeah, potentially. I mean, uh, stem cells uh, are are not an invasive thing that you do to an animal. It's it's generally something that you get off of a fetus that isn't going to come to term. Um, which is like we talked about is kind of the problem that a lot of people have with humans is where does life start? So is this a um, is this a live human or whatever? But we don't really care if the animal gets killed um, in the same way. Yeah, which totally mm. logical. Um, right? But but so so you're right. Some people will still definitely be beholden to the something had to suffer for me to get this here, whether it's suffering in the sense that I mean, it, it would be much less and I would not necessarily consider it suffering personally, but um, it would be. Yeah, there, there's still a, there's still some people that would have issue with that. Um, another interesting thing is that uh, 
uh, potentially a lot of uh, religious leaders have come out and said that it would be considered kosher or halal. Well, Hmm. what, what really has interested me is the little bit of research I've done on how like chicken farms and Mm -hmm. pig farms are and how those, those animals are forced to live and how they're transported and stuff. I'm kind of yeah, all I mean, of this. Like this seems like totally logical and makes sense to me. At first, at first thought, I was like, "Whoa, I don't know." And I let, let me throw you up something else that's but, pretty neat too. Is uh, if if you can control. So when you're when you're growing, um, say hamburger, um, that a lot of what makes hamburger have the flavor and the texture it has is the fat that comes with it. But if you're just growing the muscle fibers then you can decide what kind of fat you want to package it with. You can put it with straight butter if you want to, or you can put it with like some omega-3 fatty acids that help with your heart, you know? like so, you get 100% lean meat? Like, you know, they yeah, have like 90 absolutely. whatever. Oh, percent. wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's something to think about. And then the other thing that Official I think is... sponsor is the TB12. <laughs> Good night. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about it is uh, it... It would seem that you could do that with anything you could get a hold of stem cells for. Um, so have you ever wanted to try ostrich? Because that wouldn't be that hard. Have you ever wanted to see what um, apparently in the Galapagos, the giant tortoises uh, were so tasty that they could never get them back to Europe because the sailors would eat them before they get there. We could. Have, Whoa, I know, never heard that. Yeah. OK, wow. yeah. so we can have giant <laughs> tortoise in our grocery aisle in. Texarkana. I wouldn't mind some tortoise. Um, knowledge again. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like what, what kind of meat would you want to try if you could try any kind of meat with no um, connection to it, you know? Man. I don't wow. know. That's a big question. Yeah. I would try ostrich. I would like to try ostrich. Yeah. I would try that. I'm not a fan of the duck. I'm not. So that faux gras, I don't know. I, that, I don't <laughs> like duck at all. Faux gras, Foie gras, yeah. Foie gras, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, you're close. I will say this this is kind of random. It's not random, but it's we're talking about different kind of animals we enjoy. Elk. If you've ever had elk, yeah. Shout out to Dylan. It's he, delicious. he got me, he cooked some elk for me one day. Yeah. Man. Really? It good. is yeah. so good. But I think elk's kinda hard to kinda hard to hunt. Like it's not just well, you gotta go go hunt somewhere where <laughs> that's it is the elk. first step. <laughs> and if we're and if we're able to grow it, then I guess that kind of cuts yeah. some of that out. I don't know. That's that's an interesting thought process of we could actually eat like we could eat something that's almost extinct. A woolly mammoth. We could have some woolly mammoth. If we could bring if we could bring woolly mammoths back and then get <laughs> some stem cells from the woolly mammoth, then you can have woolly mammoth steaks at Albertsons. That might Honestly. be delicious. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Come over to um, my mind just got blown. So, so another question. Would human be off the limit? Like, would would you would you ever? Whoa! Would I yeah. want to eat human meat? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. No. Why not? No. no. Why? Well, you know what they say. You know what they say. What do they say? Once you once you get a taste for human. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's sick. That is sick. Why? Oh, why? They say it. I didn't say it. No. Why? Why is that sick? Why? Why? What's wrong? Eating humans? That's called cannibalism. I mean, you that's well, but eating a murdering a human to eat them is one thing. But if there's just like what if it was your own? Like, what if it was made from your cells? Would you be 
At least oh, interesting to were, see. I, I, my first, I thought you were asking about like eating your children. No, you said, what if no. it was your own? No, yeah, like, that's true. Uh, we're really delving in a very dangerous area. The question is, is, would you uh, eat a Danny DeVito burrito? That's the question. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would not. Please. Please, any listener, feel free to jump in the the comments, the reviews, the the mentions, and tell LJ how gross he is for wanting to hey, eat a. I didn't say DeVito, I wanted to. Devito, I'm just asking if you guys would be interested. I'm asking you guys. Well, I mean Jennifer Aniston. I don't know. You know she. Whoa. Now, so for me, for me, I would actually, if I could make it out of my own muscle fibers, I would give it a taste. You know, honestly. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why not? I just I feel like that. Be I don't think I'm eating any human stuff. I think that's no. fair. I think that's fair. But I also, <laughs> why is the line there? Where Where is the line, and why is the question? Uh, the line is on your own species. I don't know. Okay. Just, that's cannibalism is always bad, right? There's never ever been anybody that looked up to cannibals. Yeah, is but there? that's because cannibals have to kill a person, which is universally a bad thing to do. And also, it's a it's well, not necessarily. I mean, what if you're, you know, the old plane crash in the mountains? And so, well, and OK, have, I mean, but like, that's that's not always bad, though. This is a road I did not think we would go down. Today. <laughs> you got to survive, <laughs> right? So people don't humans. necessarily look down on people who are doing whatever it takes to survive. Right. I mean, am I wrong about that? Well, I'm not to that point, LJ. Sure. To survive, I don't have to eat some of my own meat. So, <laughs> sure, you know, but I don't know. Curiosity. If it's if it's ethical, it's not, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to cause me any problems. Curiosity killed the cat. Well, but the cat didn't yeah. have lab-grown meat, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'd eat the lab-grown cat before I'd eat people. Just saying. I want to try to somehow circle mm. the wagons back just a little bit and get, yeah. and I want to ask you a question, LJ, on how this, th- this is something that w- I would realistically ask. So you said the burger is going to cost me more money out of my wallet. Like my, my bill after going out to eat will cost more for eating this burger that is grown instead of today. It does. Yeah. Slaughtered and Okay. For my sandwich meat, is it the same thing? Like I'll have to pay more for, for the now, sandwich meat. Yeah, for now it is. For now, grown. for now, he's saying the prices, the prices are coming are down. Prices are coming down, and the goal is to make it cheaper. Then, but is it at its lowest, oh, or it's going to keep gonna getting, getting, getting lower keep because getting the process lower. is going to be more and more understood? It's just like manufacturing anything, and also you're not going to have this artificial uh, limitation of having to keep a creature alive. You know, if like if your chickens get sick. Then you either have to feed them antibiotics or kill them all, and um, that's not a problem in a lab. So in theory, as you refine the process, it'll get cheaper and cheaper to you know almost no no limit. So for the for the cliff notes of anyone who maybe got sidetracked while we were diving off into this discussion, you're telling me at at some point, hopefully, this is going to be a cheaper alternative that allows us not to slaughter these animals that we put in terrible conditions that mm-hmm. also have less disease. Yep. And environmentally and friendly. better for us and environmentally friendly. Uh, it's hard. The, the scale's getting broken on which one's better or worse. I think I'm all yeah. on no, it lab, wouldn't even the be, lab process meat. The, the second it's cheaper, it'll be uh, it, it, like we'll stop having farms in a traditional sense, in my opinion. And do you know this? I don't know if you have the answer to this question. How close could we be to it being a real alternative? 
there's there's a lot of information out there, but I've seen a lot of places predicting by about 2021 it'll be it'll be the way of the world. And I guess one of the things we need to think about with that in mind um, is what do we do with all of the cows that are still alive at that point? You know, like are farmers just going to like cut them loose because no one wants to buy steak from them anymore? You know what I mean? We still need their stem cells, though, right? Yeah, but not nearly as many. We don't need every farm in America having cows. You know, we like uh, I, I don't know the logistics, but I would imagine a, a pretty large lab could run off of one to five cows, you know, instead of well, having that's a hundreds. whole new industry. Now you're going to have political action committees that are the <laughs> farmers, you know, that are that yeah. support the ranchers. And they're going to right. be giving money to Congress to go, oh, we're playing God. You. You know? Yeah, the FFA yeah. is coming. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This will be an interesting development. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to watch how this, how this goes. Thanks for listening to another week. You know where to find us, so please keep doing it. We'll be back next week with more Just Press Play. Truth, drop the beat. <laughs> <laughs>